another edition of Fixing a Drink. I'm Noah Rothbaum, Flavia Yours, Head of Cocktails and Spirits. Joining me, as always, is my colleague and co-host, David Wonker. How are you, Dave? I'm doing just fine. Yourself? I am very excited for today's show. Um, it is about a drink that is near and dear to both of our hearts, I think. It's practically tattooed on my heart. <laughs> <laughs> we are talking today about the Mai Tai Tiki Classic, whose creator we'll get into a little bit later. And we will have our special guest, Shannon Mustafer, uh, bartender from New York, as well as... Bartender uh, extraordinaire, I would add. I, bar, I Well, I was going to add the accolades, uh, author of the award-winning book, Tiki Modern Tropical Cocktails, which came out a couple of years ago, which has become a... Uh, a real favorite and uh, a must read for for bartenders and, and mm -hmm. folks who like tropical cocktails who i think will have a lot to add to our mai tai discussion yeah she knows a lot about this stuff so uh, i'm very glad that we've got her coming on if you're ever uh, fortunate enough to be at a bar that shannon is working behind you are definitely lucky because uh, she makes wonderful cocktails her own creations as well as obviously the classics, um, but the Mai Tai, I mean, I, it's one of these drinks that often doesn't really get any respect. It doesn't get as much as it deserves, that's for sure, because it deserves a lot. It is delicious when made well. There are many ways of making it well, too. Almost the Rodney Dangerfield of cocktails, as you were saying, there are a lot of great ways to make the Mai Tai. Well, originally it was the juice of a whole lime, right? So a good amount of lime juice, a couple ounces of Jamaican rum, then dashes of orangeot, orange curacao, and uh, rock candy syrup, which is just vanilla, lightly vanilla flavored sugar syrup. And uh, you would build it on shaved ice in the glass, stir it around and garnish it with the half of a, the squeezed out lime, a sprig of mint, and a Vanda orchid. Right. Just to make it really, really fancy looking. And according to Trader Vic, he said, I guess he recalled, I don't know, 50 years ago that he invented it at the service bar in his Oakland restaurant, which was yeah. the original one. You know, we'll, we'll get into all that. We'll get into that later, but it's really interesting. And it's definitely a, a drink that I like to order. I, I sometimes feel self-conscious ordering it, you know, um, in this day and age of craft cocktails. But I think there's no shame in drinking a well-made Mai Tai. I, I'll drink it whenever I go to a good tiki bar because I know they'll yeah. make a good one. Absolutely. It's like in a craft cocktail bar, I might not order some of the <laughs> weirder drinks, but I know they'll make me a great martini. You know? Right. So I'll, right. I'll, I'll, I'll order just something normal and have it made exactly. You know, and that yeah. that makes me happy. So uh, that's it's definitely my uh, my tiki bar go to order is is a, is a good mai tai. Well, obviously, the drink of the day or the drink of the episode is, of course, the mai tai. Today, um, we'll have our recipe in the show notes if you'd like to make it as well. Uh, a lot of tiki drinks require many ingredients. This one, except for the orjat syrup, which is almond syrup, which mm -hmm. you can buy now, is fairly straightforward. Lime juice, rum, curacao, and the orjat syrup and simple syrup. If you, if you yeah, we, and you can easily leave the simple syrup out. Most yeah. people do these days. Yeah. It, as tiki goes, it's it's fairly straightforward, I'd say. It, mm -hmm. once, you, once you can locate the, the orjat syrup, or if you're very adventurous, make the orjat syrup at home. I've never done that. I did it once. 
<laughs> and the number of dishes that I had to clean up told me that I wasn't going to be doing it very often again. And in fact, that was true. So don't be scared. I suggest uh, trying your hand at, at making a Mai Tai, either while you're listening to our episode or, or later. But uh, Dave and I will be drinking them through our discussion with Shannon. Throughout the rest of my life, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> that makes two of us. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Without further ado, we'll get Shannon on the line. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome. Hey, a pleasure to be here with you guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Really excited to talk about the Mai Tai. You know, I used to say, uh, I still say it, I guess, is, uh, and I'm stealing this from Benjamin Franklin, but I, I say the Mai Tai is, sign, is a sign that God loves us and wants us to be happy. <laughs> they said it about beer, but if it's true about beer, it's really true about a Mai Tai. It, it, and it's, I can't think of a drink that I enjoy more. You know, when I have a well-made Mai Tai and just how beautiful it is, how delicious and delightful and easy to drink and full of flavor and surprising and all, all the good things you want in a drink. I mean, a good Mai Tai is it's pretty tough to beat. Well, I know, Shannon, you know, obviously the Mai Tai figures into your book in some of the menus. Is the Mai Tai for you one of the like central tiki drinks? Yeah, I'm glad you bring it up because in regards to the Tiki Canyon, I think there are three milestones that really mark advancement and popular feel, right? So the first one is the zombie. And that kind of set off the spark of interest in tropical exotic cocktail bar concepts mm -hmm. and a lot of spin-offs. I think that my time was an interesting kind of entry there because it's it's really like a modified daiquiri, right? So you're adding oja to that template of rum, sugar, and lime. But it was so popular that Trader Vic felt compelled to make like a, a bottled Mai Tai mix. And there, there were other companies that kind of did similar things. Mm -hmm. the, the last drink that I would cite as important to Tiki or tropical cocktails is a jungle bird. And I'm going to say it's because Giuseppe Gonzalez revived that drink while he was in the midst of doing PKNY. And I think that he drew to bartenders' attention that tropical templates uh, were legitimate templates to incorporate into a classic theme cocktail bar, right? Because you had a spirit, you had a bitter by Campari, pineapple and lime and it was accessible and i i credit that drink as like bringing tea back to the masses hmm. and it certainly brought it into the uh, craft cocktail movement that was my question of, of the impact of that um decision on giuseppe's part we'll find out if that's real but that's that's my thought let's get back to the uh, the mai tai the history of it is kind of funny because a there's the question of did Trader Vic uh, steal it from Don Beach, which seems to be probably not. But uh, the drink itself, Trader Vic's account of it is also a little weird because he says he invented it in 1944, but there's no trace of it whatsoever until the beginning of 1953 when he's doing the drinks for the Royal Hawaiian Hotel in Waikiki and for the Matson shipping line, which owned the uh, Royal Hawaiian. 
And I, we got this newspaper bit from the beginning of 1953 from the Honolulu Star Bulletin, uh, where it's talking about uh, the old trader is back in Hawaii, as, as they write it out, for his 25th expedition in nearly as many years. Uh, and then it goes on about how he's the king of exotic concoctions, and he's doing the uh, Royal Hawaiians list. And it goes down and it talks about, it mentions that, you know, uh, there was a Trader Vicks in Hawaii, but he's not running it. it he had sold it to his partner years before. Uh, so this was his first return to Hawaii. And then it says his favorite drink is the Mai Tai, a heady concoction with a rum base. Uh, and then it talks about the Kava Bowl and uh, says, finally, Vic says his job gives him heartburn at least twice a week. So this is like this little tiny debut for this drink. It was at the Royal Hawaiian. It was on their list near the bottom of their new cocktail list that he created. And uh, next thing you know, like people are naming yachts after this drink. Journalists are saying, hey, how about that Mai Tai? And suddenly this obscure drink catches on in Hawaii, becomes, I guess, the uh, drink of Hawaiian statehood when everybody, you know, Hawaii is suddenly a state in 1959, I think. Suddenly all the tourists are flooding in and they all want Mai Tais. But the only problem is Vic didn't release his recipe. So all the other places in Hawaii had to make up their own Mai Tais. And I think that's kind of important. And uh, I think that sort of sets the stage for, you know, the, the Mai Tai as not just a recipe, but as a whole category of drink. Well, it's a vibe, right? I mean, you're a musician, Dave. So it's almost like the Mai Tai was like the Doobie Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit forever, something for everybody. Well, it's like everybody can dig it, right? It's like we yeah. listen to the lyrics. They're a little offbeat, a little ridiculous, but the musicianship and the bones really works, right? Yeah, there's a groove to it, you know? It could take a lot of monkeying around with, uh, you know, a lot of people, because there was no recipe, they put in pineapple juice and grenadine. That's not as good as a Trader Vic's Mai Tai. Correct. But is it a bad drink? Not really. I the vibe is there. I, I just think that yeah. the Mai Tai has been the vibe that kind of like kept Tiki together. And then yeah. I look at the Jungle Bird as a vibe or the, the drink that kind of made it legitimate for craft cocktail bar applications to kind of be like, we should revisit this canon. Because it had something bitter in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's my view. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, the Mai Tai, I think, is the perfect, like it, it, it sums up the whole tropical Hawaiian popularity at the time, right? You have the Elvis movie. You know, you you finally can fly to Hawaii. As Dave was saying, it's a state. You know, Hawaii becomes mm -hmm. super popular. People are obsessed with Hawaii. Hey, there was Hawaii Five O. Right. I mean, that was my favorite show. Absolutely. When I was like ten years old, that that show was great. Hawaiian shirts, Don Ho. I mean, it continues, right? I mean, Love Boat. Like a lot of that has to do with Hawaii and Fantasy Island. I don't know where they were, but wherever it was, it looked fine. Right. <laughs> it kind of builds and builds and builds. And what I think is interesting is that by kind of the 70s, you know, at first nobody kind of wants to take credit for it. And then everybody wants to take credit for it. Right. And and at one point, you know, Don Beach's widow 
Phoebe Beach, you know, claims that Don invented the drink in the 30s. And then Vic, you know, says, you know, he stole it. This is from Wayne Curtis's excellent book uh, and a bottle of rum. And and uh, Don says, quote, I want to get set the record straight. I originated the Mai Tai. Anybody who says I didn't create this drink is a dirty stinker. I just love that he's <laughs> like very emphatic and almost like in when people ask him about it, he's very lawyer lawyerly about his story about inventing the drink. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there are witnesses, you know, there's a specific day, there's a specific recipe, you know, you know, he, he basically, you know, he gives mm-hmm. the same story over and over again about, you know, how it was named, right? Like two of his friends who'd come, you know, from Tahiti, Ham and Carrie Gould. I don't know if anybody ever found. Oh yeah, no, they 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 were totally <laughs> in Tahiti. They're they're known people. But like, you know, <laughs> the, you know, I assume they agreed with this version that, you know, that basically one of them says uh, my Tahitian is not that great. Um, but what my Thai? Oh, your Tahitian is fine. Come on, <laughs> my Thai Rue, right? No false modesty, right? Which means the best in Tahitian. That's where the whole the name is supposed yeah. to come from. And even that isn't that familiar of a phrase. You know, there aren't that many references to it. So it's almost like he 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 had the whole case that he was pleading even before people were coming after him. The weird part again is that nine years passed before this drink surfaces. From when he says he invented it, and it's a pretty good drink. You know, right. it's the kind of thing that you might think he would use a little before that, but uh, because the minute uh, somebody, the minute people start tasting it, they're like, "Hell yeah, that is great!" You know, let me name my yacht after this drink. <laughs> you know, so uh, it, of all the drinks he put in on the on the Royal Hawaiians list, that was the one that got the attention. And he doesn't just use any rum, right? No, he starts. Well, the, the rum story is a good one, too, because he starts with a very old 17 year old Ray and nephew uh, rum, which I've actually tasted. And I've had a Mai Tai made with it. And boy, is that a good drink. It wasn't publicized because he may have realized early on that there's a limited supply of that rum. Maybe. Yeah, that could be. Or, you know, maybe he fudged the dates a little bit so that he could kind of get a jump on everybody in Hawaii who was ripping off his drink. I wonder. And the, I mean, as you said before, like the zombie is also king. So, you know, he's yeah. not necessarily looking to replace the zombie. I mean, I imagine that was a bestseller at all of his locations, mm-hmm. right? So... Clarity, you know, zombie, you know, that was Don the Beachcomber. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think Vic was serving zombies. Uh, he was serving like rum barrels and uh, fog cutters. And early on, I, I've got a stack of his drink lists early on. And it wasn't just tiki drinks. He was serving like various tropical and exotic drinks. So he had like a Pisco Punch because it was exotic. He had a Bloody Mary because it was exotic. He was kind of setting it up as like, I've got these, you know, sort of interesting drinks from around the world. And that's when he opened and that's what he was doing. And it got more and more tropical as uh, things developed. But early on, it was just uh, a mixture of drinks that he had collected in his travels. And that was the kind of things he served. 
as his stuff became more like, you know, quote, tropical, I mean, which is fake tropical, but uh, as, as it became more that, then he had to, you know, focus more and more on rum drinks, more and more on, uh, on you know, that, that idea, like garnishing drinks with orchids and things like that. And I think a lot of that he took from Don Beach, but probably not the actual recipe for the drink. Yeah, my understanding is that he was looking at Don Beach for the concept, but then when it came to the drink templates, he was like more inspired by the daiquiri template that he observed yeah. at Bella Florida, whereas it, it looks like Don Beach was like more inspired by the planter's punch. Yeah, I think you're right. But ironically, you know, I mean, Trader Vic was such a an imitator in some ways but he was a very good mixologist. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of his original drinks are extremely tasty. You know, it's not like he wasn't bullshit when it when it came to mixing drinks. And I mean, there's no no better proof than the Mai Tai of that, which uh, but even even with that, like after two years, uh, he writes somebody a letter with his recipe and he's already using three quarters of an ounce of Myers uh, planters punch rum and an ounce and a half of Trader Vic's Puerto Rican rum, which he had carefully, you know, sourced and branded. So he was out of the Jamaican rum immediately. That just didn't last because the Mai Tai turned out to be very popular. Well, I think getting back to that idea, Shannon, that kind of the Mai Tai is a take on almost a, a daiquiri or a sour, I think is a very interesting one that, that people don't usually think about for the Mai Tai. It seemed really intuitive to me. It just looked like a kind of like a, a souped up Mai Tai, right? Where you're using, um, in lieu of sugar, a combination of orange curacao, which is a bitter orange liqueur, and almond syrup. So a more kind of culinary kind of crash up between a rum punch, right? A, a punch would use a tea maybe, but in this case it's almonds and a bitter orange liqueur. That's the way I've, I, I viewed it for years. Yeah, I mean, I think it's got those those bones to it. It's also a lot like the uh, Knickerbocker, which is from the Jerry Thomas in the, uh, you know, it's an 1850s drink that's similar to the uh, Mai Tai. It's built in the glass. Uh, Trader Vic always built his drinks and his Mai Tais in the glass. He didn't shake them or blend them or, or whatever. Uh, he built it on the in the glass on crushed ice, and I guess he swizzled it or something. And the Knickerbocker uses raspberry syrup instead of the almond, so it tastes very different. But everything else is kind of the same. It's funny. It's a it's a it's a very old sort of template of of making drinks. You know, rum, sweetener, something you know to add some flavor to to modify it. Plus, of course, lime juice and and done. A more culinary application, right? Like. Yeah. The Knickerbocker is like, oh, well, okay, raspberry, strawberry, whatever. But um, just using a seasonal fruit, kind of like taking that idea, like if you have a julep and you just want to dress up a spirit, that's how I have viewed the Knickerbocker. And I kind of view the Mai Tai as like a, a seasonal deck. That almond-orange combination, it turns out to be, or it's, a, it's not really orange because orange curacao is only a little bit orangey. And it's also, you know, it's got some other flavors going on, but it, it just adds some mellowness to it. And, 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 it, and it tastes like, like you're being rewarded for something. Well, when you were talking, Shannon, 
from your recent article on the Flavier Times about the parasol, where you talked a little bit about the daiquiri and the Mai Tai, like a light went off in my head because it's also not that dissimilar from our to our old friend, the margarita, right? Which is tequila, lime juice, and obviously orange curacao in many in mm-hmm. many preparations. So, I mean, it's just amazing when you think about all these different drinks as being so distinct. And then you look at them, it turns out that in many ways, they are very related, right? With with a few simple twists, you know, it's, I don't know, I never really thought that the margarita, the daiquiri and the Mai Tai were, were relatives, you know, let alone on the same branch of the family tree. But Well, I've regarded the utilization of bitter orange or bitter citrus elements as like what takes a drink from an old fashioned to a cocktail. If we're talking about the pasta, if we're talking about the addition of bitters, the sugar rim, the citrus element, I think that when liqueurs come into play, um, now we're moving from, you know, kind of like, I would say, dressing a spirit to kind of like transforming it into a template. And that's where the crusta, I'll start with Sazerac. Sazerac, Crusta, um, Sidecar, Daiquiri, and then um, Mai Tai, in my mind, um, have a, a lineage. But the, this, the utilization of bitter citrus oil, be it via bitter or a liqueur, is like the thing that kind of ties it all together, in my mind. I wish we could get more of that bitter orange uh, uh, to use uh, fresh, but Bitter oranges are only in season in January and February. Uh, at least uh, that's the only times I can get them here in New York. They really do kind of bridge that gap. If you make a bowl of punch using uh, the the peel of bitter oranges and uh, sugar, and you 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 can use the juice. There's just not much of it, uh, or you can supplement it with lemon juice. But you get that bitter orange peel in there, and it really gives you that kind of grown-up cocktail flavor you know, with your punch. And it, it just makes it like really cool tasting, you know? Uh, and that, that's what, if you get a good Curacao, you definitely get that. And clearly connected to the normal, like oleosaccharum, the, the lemon peels. You're Again, yeah. you're taking yeah. the oils of bitter lemon oil out into the sugar and it's like... It, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the bitter oranges are a lot more, you know, oh, like for, bitter, bitter for, for sure. In the peel. For sure. And it's the peel is the bitter part. Absolutely. But it's just interesting that like at the core of like so many punches is the, the lemon oil, right? And the sugar and like it's that's so close to in some ways Curacao where again, they're using the orange peels and, you know, and the alcohol and, and the extract them mm-hmm. and sugar and it's. I mean, you realize again, like there's so many commonalities between so many of these ingredients and so many cocktails that like so often tiki is treated like they're the cocktails are from another planet, right? Or that they're they're unconnected completely. It's all the same. Yeah, I, I see it as like just a, a logical conclusion in regards to how to really kind of extrapolate the best properties of the ingredients in question, be it the 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 spirits, in this case, rum, you know, locally or stereotypically, but citrus, right? So 
um, be it via different allosaccharum applications, bitters, Angostura, or even when we think about different sweeteners that, um, you know, utilize cinnamon, clove, things like that, where you're really trying to pull out um, those aromatics and bring them to uh, the table in regards to mixing with the spirit. There are a few simple techniques, and you know, you you use one of those techniques, and one day it's it's like a tiki drink. The next day it's a classic punch. The next day it's it's a uh, an Art Deco cocktail. But it's the same. It's really the same thing going on, for the same constellation of ingredients. And I've always kind of wondered why some of the tiki drinks required so many ingredients. But like, to be honest, like given our this conversation it's sort of given me a new appreciation that in some ways a lot of the tiki drinks are kind of deconstructed right where they're replacing mm -hmm. orange curacao with several different ingredients to kind of approximate that flavor almost that you'd find in a classic punch or in a classic cocktail so that like you know it's sort of almost like the hard way of doing things right from scratch where other cocktails you know the a lot of those flavors and ingredients are already in you know, something like Grand Marnier or Curacao or a vermouth. But here, Tiki, it's almost like trying to approximate those through a different means. Well, it's also, I mean, like the rums in, in the Mai Tai, I think, are definitely a case of that because, you know, it started out as one rum. Then Trader Vic is using two rums to replace it, you know, a couple of years later. And by 1970, Taka Tam uh, Tamaguchi, the head bartender at the Royal Hawaiian, was making his uh, Mai Tais with a jigger each of, of, and I'm quoting him, light rum, golden rum, and dark rum. That's a lot of rum, for one thing. And also, what the hell are those rums? But, you know, he was he was trying to reach something and using with the tools that he had, you know, so... Uh, he's got three different rums going in there to to give him the exact rum flavor he was looking for. I mean, I, I kind of regard tiki, and tell me what you guys see here. It's like it's like it's baroque, it's rococo, right? It's like boom. Yeah, it looks like the kitchen sink thrown at it, and it's very kind of elaborate in regards to layering all these different elements together. But it's kind of nuts because, it's like, well, think about. How expensive was nutmeg when these drinks were originally conceived? And how expensive was nutmeg 200 years ago? It was expensive. Yeah. <laughs> right? So exactly. you kind of during the kitchen sink, but like very expensive kitchen sink elements at this endeavor to create uh, a flavor experience that you just would not anticipate in a glass. And it was like the height of, um, again, I'm going to Baroque, right? Because... Baroque and Rococo is just like full total sensory experience. It's just like nuts. It's like Vegas times 10. But it's also, you know, it's funny. I think that's a really good analogy because uh, uh, if you look at like uh, Baroque or Rococo church, it's all, there's tons of ornamentation. There's like grace notes everywhere, little like, you know, things on top of things. But if you stand back, the basic structures are very simple. You know, if you compare it to like a cathedral with all the flying arches and all that stuff that they were doing in the Gothic age, the Baroque things are just big boxes, but they just ornamented the hell out of them. And so, you know, like the, the basis of these tiki drinks is very simple. 
you know, it's basically a bowl of punch. It's ways of taking that bowl of punch and uh, shrinking it and then ornamenting the Jesus out of it. And you end up with these very fancy looking drinks that, you know, are basically rum, juice and sugar. <laughs> it's just funny. And fire and lots of fire. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, that's always a good ornament. <laughs> you're going to ornament something. You might as well use fire. Thank you, Shannon, so much. This conversation has not only made me rethink my view of the Mai Tai, but I think, you know, it's all, all tiki drinks. And, and uh, I uh, I did not see that coming. So so thank you for that. Hopefully you'll join us for other episodes of Fix Me a Drink. I certainly hope so. Thanks for calling in from, from far off San Francisco. I hope you're going to now get on a Matson line ship and go to Waikiki and have a uh, Mai Tai uh, under the palms on the beach of the Royal Hawaiian. Apparently, my next stop is New York, so I'm going to have to, you know, deal with you guys. But fair enough. Over drinks, hopefully. Cheers. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fix Me a Drink. Dave and I encourage you to always drink responsibly. Cheers.